This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Happy Hope Day! Everybody, it's the Lori and Julia Show. My Talk 107 on everything entertainment. Thank you for joining us. We've got a great show lined up for you. Bottom of the hour, we're going to be talking to the author of one of the hottest books in the country right now. We're very excited to have him on the show. We're going to talk to Pamela McNeil. She's in a great show out of Chanhassen. We're going to do that next hour. So uh, stick around. Good stuff coming up. I know. I was so excited. I tweeted um, AJ Finn today about his book, Woman in the Window. I tweeted you know, Random House or whoever the two Harper's Collins. You know, I was like tweeting everybody just to say, I mean, that book is number one on the New York Times bestselling and four weeks straight in Canada. I finished it. I finished it. I finished it. It's already been printed in 35 different markets and it's already made it being made into a movie. I didn't never figured it out. Neither did I. Never figured it out. Amazing. So, 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 so good. good. Yeah. If you're going on a vacation and you like a suspenseful novel in the vein of Girl on a Train, Gone Girl, anything like that, uh, Woman in the Window is the book that you need to It's so good. It just doesn't stop. Yeah. Um, Okay. So last night, did you watch This Is Us? Yes, I did. How many tissues? Ten. Lori goes through my (laughs) tissues. I don't know why I'm not. I haven't been crying in the last, like, the one after the Super Bowl. I was too tired to cry. Okay. And then last night. You didn't cry last night? I felt like the whole world was sobbing last night watching that. No, I just, I, I I was cooking. Okay. I was cooking. All right, well. Maybe that's why. You know, cause I, what, I guess, you know, the thing about This Is Us, and I know some people refer to it as feelings porn, cry porn, you know, that it's it brings the feelings. I love that it, it has to have cry. a dirty name with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I know. Or quick, good TV. Uh, but I think what This Is Us consistently in all the storylines, and in particular with Jack, but even with Randall finding his birth father and... And uh, Kevin, you know, all of a sudden finding himself accidentally addicted to painkillers, and they're real, or, or or how the daughter, you know, long right. blames herself and sabotages herself with food. The thing is that for everyone who lives this life, we Can all get blindsided by stuff that happens to us as we're busy planning our life. Mm-hmm. And every no one gets out of getting blindsided. Everybody has these things that come out of left field that all of a sudden people have to deal with their the best of themselves, the worst of other people, this, that, you know, it, it's that's life. Mm-hmm. No one has a perfect life. And so I think like I, I know I was reading on Twitter after after I dried my tears. And one of the things that really struck me was a, a woman had tweeted 
that she'd never really understood her mom's pain and devastation when her dad died when she was like in college. Right. Because the mom was so busy, you know, trying to keep her kids together Mm -hmm. and all of that. And she said that really brought it home fresh to me. Like really the pain of my mom losing this man that she loved so much. Mm -hmm. And we never really, it was more about our pain that we lost our dad. Right. And I just, the acting in that was just, it, it just, it, it really is life happens to us when you're making other plans and all of a sudden your life is turned upside down. And that happened. That's the relatable thing, I think, about that show. I, you know? Well, I would agree with you. And everybody has crap in their life that yeah. happens. And it's how you get through it. And that just comes like out you're of saying, life. You're yep. like, wait a second. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, but I thought maybe you would really cry and cry last night because it made me might, might think of your dad or something. I loved but your dad was not a 42-year-old no, man. I, I who, feel so lucky that yeah. I got to have that. Your dad for as long as you did? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's like me and my mom. Yeah, I know. I feel really lucky. You know, Because it's, we do it's know still, people who've lost their parents, their parents when they were teenagers, teenagers in high school. I mean, I think that would be so tragic. And that's what these three, they're, um, they're uh, high school seniors when their dad passes away. Yeah. And that's not a spoiler or anything, but that would be such a traumatic time you're so young but it, yet it was so positive yeah, in the how she and then you know i think the other thing too is that this is us has created a perfect tv dad and very often in television world the dads are the grumpies or the fumblers or they're yes. absent or yeah. we haven't had a good dad since michael landing on um Little uh, Laura Prairie yeah, or it's little a very, Laura Ingle Wilder. It's a very, pa. yeah, it's a very <laughs> earnest portrait of what makes a good father. It's lovely. And, and, and like what you want to live up to as, as a parent. And it comes more naturally and easier to him than it does to Rebecca. Yes, it does. And I think, I don't know. I haven't been a parent. I've only been a bonus parent, mm-hmm. so I can't speak to it. But maybe in parenting, that's why... In the ideal situation, it's nice to have two because one is strong in areas where the other one isn't and vice versa. And you'll find one is more the fun one, one's more the disciplinary, one's one this taskmaster, one's this. I mean, it really does balance out. And he really is just... A uh, dreamy dad. He's a dreamy dad. It's just, yeah. he's. But he's a flawed person and we know about his flaws too. So it's not like he's a perfect guy. He's an, an alcoholic. Yeah. And we know about his good side and his bad side. And, and that I, show just, it's, it's real, Lori. It's so real. It's so good. And I guess Milo did all of his own stunts in Sunday night's episode. They really did burn a house. That was unbelievable. And he, Dan Fogelman said it was like Milo Ventimiglia acted in six one-act plays. He had to go from, you know, these different vignettes of what was happening. And I mean... And I love seeing Mandy Moore do oh, what she she's does. amazing. And then when Gerald McCraney came, and did you notice that was Susan Blakely, his wife? The Susan Blakely who used to date Dudley Moore for people are of a certain age. Yeah, for sure. The older woman yes, who was Yes, Ger- I couldn't figure out who that, that was. was that's yes. Sarah Blakely. And and she was just like one of the goddesses of television in the seventies and eighties, just uh and, and, you know, now she's just playing her age because I imagine she's in her 70s. But I thought that was really touching, s- sweet. And, uh, the, the, the other thing about it, though, I think, which is really cool is you can see because they have different actors to act these 
these three tri- these triplets at different ages mm-hmm. um you get to see what someone's like at eight and how things impact them. You see someone at 17 yeah. and you see someone at 30. I think they're 30. They're all like 37 or 38. Yeah, later. But mm. it, it's kind of fun seeing how pain from something unresolved comes and spears its head in a different way as you age and how you can handle things different. It, it's a great show. It really the is. ratings were down because, of course, they were so huge after the Super Bowl. Yeah. But they were back to normal. Yeah, like Last this is 20 million. We're talking about this is us. This 20 million instead of 27. I mean, that show is bringing it. It is. All right, listen, we come back. It's our story we can't get enough of. Oh, my love, Pink. We love you. We hope you perform at the Super Bowl next year in Atlanta, along with, you know, some of the hip-hop guys, maybe yeah. Outkast. Okay, so um, I before we get to the couch in Andy Cohen's uh, clubhouse. Which we haven't been in for a while. We haven't. I love that Scott Speedman is joining Grey's Anatomy. I'm going to like watch him? it. I have loved oh, yeah. him since, of course, Felicity. Felicity. Right. Um, mm-hmm. With Carrie Russell way back in the day. But he is joining season 14. So and I'd... he's been, we haven't seen him on TV for a long time until Animal Kingdom. Right. Which is like getting its last season with Alan Barkin on TNT. That's just been a great show. And Scott Speedman is playing a shady, shady Character. man. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sure he's going to be Meredith's new love interest. I'm so excited. Will you tune it in? I mean, I haven't watched I, it in years. I think I'm going to tune it in. Yeah. I, Lainey Gossip wrote, I know most people gave up on Grey seasons ago, but, I, but she promises us it's still sometimes really good TV. Plus, don't forget, Shonda Rhimes is great at repurposing our childhood TV boyfriends for our shows. We give you Scott Foley yep. on Scandal. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Which was and so good. And wasn't he on Grey's Anatomy, too? Scott Foley... No. For a second? He was on Felicity, Lori. Yeah, okay. He was on, and he so anyway. was married to Jennifer Gardner. Gardner. That's Gardner. Right. Anyway. Um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of excited. I feel like I'm going to watch it. Yeah, I think it's excellent. And it's been years since I have. And then last night in the clubhouse, you're giving us good couch, Bethany Frank- Frankel, who, who has been friends with Kyle Richards. She used to babysit uh, Kyle. I thought she, no, she babysat in Paris and Nikki. Oh, Paris, is that yeah. who it was? Okay, yeah. she's the same age yeah. as uh, Kyle. Yes, they're the same age. But she they've known their each kids. other since they were teenagers. Yeah, forever and a day. And they were giving us pretty good uh, couch. I'm really excited about... Um, Bethany's Ky- the New York housewife. Yeah, and of course, Kyle is Beverly Hills, and Beverly Hills is um, on right now, and New York is... Well, Bethany's got a new show with Frederick. Bethany and Frederick, you know, the million dollar listing guy. She does. Those two are really good buddies. They met when she was trying to find a condo to live in when her ex wouldn't leave hers. Remember? I I think he actually found her and Jason's apartment she found. I think they go all the way back. Okay. So they have a new show. And um, here's, I I don't know if, I think this is a caller asking about the time that Wendy Williams um, had some dish about Bethany, even though Bethany is a friend, as Wendy says, to the show. Bethany, um, appear- we got this question a lot for you. Wendy Williams apparently put you on blast this morning. Well, about- well you- she loves to pass. And then say sorry, and then invite me back on her show. I come on her show, then she slaps me. She again. was telling people <laughs> to work for you for a month and then write a tell-all book. Good, do it. Right? By the way, after that whole thing in the, in the, in the post, I have gotten hundreds of applications. Someone I, was standing outside here handing resumes. Oh yeah, my it's, God, it's, that's it's, amazing. It's not a playground. Um, it's not, it's a, not playground. a playground. She's, and she said specifically, I'm looking for thick-skinned assistants. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
because <laughs> you, you can handle pressure and you're a serious business person. Yep. So anyway, I thought that was kind of cute. And then uh, here's Bethany. Uh, I, I didn't realize that she and Erica Jane from the Housewives of Beverly Hills had a beef, but here, here we go. Oh. Bethany, what's the status of your friendship with Erica Jane? I know in season six you had a beef. Oh, God, that was so long ago. Um, I may make an appearance on Beverly Hills this season, and you might see Erica and I interacting. And we ran into each other at Christina Aguilera's birthday party where she performed, and we know people in common. I know her husband. Um, so we're good. Good. I mean that's that's Christina oh, okay. Aguilar. Yeah. Do you love how she just oh, yeah. and that Erica party. that Erica Jane was hired to perform? I just love <laughs> knowing that, love knowing that, and they both had like amazing pantsuits on. I saw. I loved the magenta on um, Kyle. Kyle. Yeah, beautiful. I mean, it was, it's just stunning. Yeah, that it, color I think is coming back with such a bang this year. It's one of my favorite colors that I miss. In our color wheel. Yeah. But now we're doing go red for Fab. Yeah, we are going red mm -hmm. for Fab. Okay, let's play the last one we're talking about because, of course, I, Andy or somebody asked about Luann. Okay. I was wondering, I've, I've seen a lot in the news lately about your show in New York. Could you tell me a little bit about it? Like, what's going on? I mean, oh, oh with the, the show, New York Housewives. The, oh, New York Housewives? Or you mean the show with Frederick? Housewives. No, I'm talking about, like, maybe Luann, you know, like her... Like, oh, you want the gossip? Oh, Luann. <laughs> she wants the whole scoop about right. Luann right now. Uh, Luann Can you give is, us a preview? Luann's great. I mean, Luann is actually, you know, I can't say I'm surprised because Luann, we've talked about this, is the most resilient, strong woman I've ever met, maybe. And, you know, she hit the wall going 90. And the way you handle something when something bad happens is really character building and it shows a lot about a person and she's taking care of herself she's taking it seriously she's not delusional about where she is and she's sort of on a path and she's in a good place i mean she's very honest about exactly where she is about what happened and about what her goals are and we spent time in a spa and i you know i'm i'm honestly impressed a spa fixes everything very good sometimes <laughs> that was extremely Positive, yes, because, because Bethany those two have, and Luann butt heads all the yeah. time on New York Housewives. But they probably have bonded because Bethany also got humbled and humiliated. Yes, she did in a relationship, yep. and Luann got humbled and humiliated by Tom because it. it you I think can't, he just used her. Yeah, you can't help but you know, like come out of that. You're gonna like be what? And she was like just. I mean, to go back on the eve of your anniversary, you're not even married a year to that hotel and drink too much and end up in bed. I mean, you know, you have to take yeah, a look at yourself in the mirror. Why the would I morning, go back there? Why and would be, I do that? And be, what was I thinking? Course, right. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
What's yeah. wrong with me? Right. So anyway, so I thought that I thought that was a great answer. Did, did Kyle Richard talk Richards talk at all about her upcoming TV show? No, that did not come okay. up. But she had been on Andy's show not that long That's ago and I, talked about American Wife. And do we um, know when that even comes? June. Out? June. Oh, it's not till June. Not all till right, June. we don't have to worry about it yet. Yeah, and we've seen it. If you watch the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, we got to see like the trailer. Of uh, it, oh, the show, okay. and Alicia Silverstone is playing Kyle Richards' mom, and she said just how fun it was. Like she's, she, she what she said. I think it was uh, two weeks ago, or maybe last week on Beverly Hills. You know, she and Kim Richards were child actors, yes. and their mom was just a kind of a relentless stage manager. But part of it was also because she was a single woman. And uh, Kathy Hilton was, yeah, not no. Kathy Hilton isn't her. Well, okay. Kathy, her mom, the big Kathy, okay, which is Kyle and Kathy and and Kim's mom, Kathy okay. being Paris and right. Nicole. So, so she said, you know, my mom was just like, but she said it's been so fun to just look back at all this stuff. And of course, there's all these stills, you know, Little House on the Prairie and bed knobs and broomsticks. Yeah, all yes. these. And they worked yeah, with all these. Like, order, no, they were in it. Older, you know, they knew everybody in, yeah. in Hollywood. So anyway, I think it's going to be fun. I, I'm sure Ramona Singer is slow clapping today because her ex-husband has dumped and evicted. Mario? Yeah, dumped and evicted the woman he was having an affair with and left Ramona for Mm-hmm. Like not only Lovely. just dumped her, he had to evict her. What what yeah. happened? Was there Mario something? Singer, was she a squatter? He dumped his mistress turned girlfriend after he caught her having an affair in their West Palm Beach, Florida home. Mario sixty four, and Casey is thirty six, and he found them like around Christmas time. And um, of course, he had already told her, "I don't have intend on having children with you." Which, right. of course, thirty-six-year-old women think they can convince a man who says he doesn't want to have kids to have kids. But if believe they want them, him. believe them. Yeah, they don't. They they usually don't. And no. anyway, when he found out about the affair, she woke up a couple days later, and the eviction papers were laying next right. to the pillow mm-hmm. on bed. Did Mario and Ramona ever, did they ever play nice? Because they've got that daughter Avery together, I think. Or You Avery never might see them like tra- uh, trash talking each other, but I think that very much hurt Ramona. Oh, I know it did. You, you saw on the TV show, she seemed to be crazy about him and she was always... She really was. But he had a wandering wiener. Damn. And W.W. He really flaunted this mistress in the Hamptons. And I mean, he left her no choice but to... Walk away. Right. All oh. right. Listen, we'll be back, kids. We've got we've, the big we've got time author. author. The woman in the window, AJ Finn, is joining us next. That is a perfect song to describe our author and uh, his debut book, The Woman in the Window. It's absolutely the most perfectly wonderful, heart poundingly suspense novel. We just love it. AJ Finn, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. And I couldn't actually hear the song. What was it? Perfect by Ed Sheeran. Oh, oh, you know, I, I, um, I have a have a moratorium on Ed Sheeran. That's why I didn't recognize. Oh, okay, <laughs> I love well, it. Well, you're number one on the New York Times bestseller list. Yeah, How's that feel? Number one for, for for a month, actually. I know. It, uh, it feels shocking when I when I wrote this book, which is my debut. I had no ambitions beyond tapping out the words "the end" at the conclusion <laughs> yeah. of the final chapter. So everything that's happened since selling it in forty territories, this big film deal, becoming the first book in I think twelve years to debut at number one on the Times list as a debut novel, is uh, is 
just so much icing on a very rich cake. Well, and then you get an inside blurb from Stephen King, one of those rare books that's really unputdownable, delightful, and chilling. We couldn't agree more. It is just was fantastic. I really like did not want to finish it, yet I couldn't put it down, so we finished it rather quickly. How'd you get the idea? you know, for the story? Was it just about Anna Fox? Just where did it come from? So I'm a big classic film buff. Mm -hmm. As a teenager, I lived down the block from an art house cinema, and every weekend the managers would host film noir retrospectives and classic movie nights and Hitchcock marathons. And as a friendless 15-year-old, I would (laughs) camp out in the front row two nights every weekend and just steep myself in it. So one night about, gosh, 20 years later, I'm in my Manhattan apartment watching Rear Window on my TV, and I clock a light in my peripheral vision. It's my neighbor in her townhouse across the street in Chelsea, and she switched on the living room lab. And so in accordance with fine New York City custom, I spy on her. Yes. One does. You would mm-hmm. do it, too. And yeah. uh, she's not doing anything particularly interesting. She's aiming a remote at her TV. But behind me on my own TV, I hear Selma Ritter in the movie chiding Jimmy Stewart for peering into Raymond Burr's flat. She says, uh, I'm paraphrasing, I can smell trouble right here in this apartment. You look outside, you see something you shouldn't trouble. And when I looked back at the screen, she was glaring at me. <gasps> and I thought how funny that 60 years on, I'm doing exactly what he did in, mm-hmm. in 1954. Voyeurism dies hard. And then the story just took root and took shape. So, wow. so do you want to give people the setup of mm-hmm. the story? Sure. The woman yep, in the absolutely. window? So here's the elevator pitch. The woman in the window is basically rear window for the 21st century. Our heroine, formerly a child psychologist, is now an agoraphobe. She's been rendered housebound by some unspecified trauma in her past, and we don't learn the details of this trauma until about two-thirds of the way through the novel. One day, whilst spying on some new neighbors, she witnesses what she believes to be an act of violence. But being agoraphobic, she can't set foot outside to investigate, nor can she persuade anyone, including the police, to believe her. And as time passes, she starts to question whether she saw anything at all. So that's the that's the setup. And AJ, we're curious, um, as far as like the movie, I mean, how quickly, I mean, was there a bidding war for this book? Because I, I feel like the first person you sent it to must have jumped on it, but may, maybe not. Maybe you got turned down. No, it um, it happened very, very quickly and organically. We didn't actually submit the manuscript to movie studios. They got their hands on it after an editor, some editor, I know not who, leaked it to them, which is fine. They did me a favor. Right. So I'm, I'm in LAX. This was uh, a year and a half ago, and the book has just gone out on submission. We haven't accepted any publishing offers. When my agent rings me and she says, well, we got an offer from Fox. And I said, oh, gosh, right. How does this work? She told me, okay, well, they've made what they call an exploding offer. And I said, that sounds so sexy. That's like something out of 24. What does that mean? And she said, it means I'm going to tell you the sum on the phone, and you have to say yes or no right now. Are you ready? And I said, yes. What is it? She said, it's a million dollars. Do you want it? And you said? Yeah, I put her on hold. No, of course I said yes. (laughs) I said, yes, right there. And I'll tell you, I I hung up and I wanted to tell someone, but there was no one in the terminal with me, aside from this lovely Japanese family, a a father, a mother, and a four-year-old child. I don't speak Japanese. I hadn't heard them speaking English. So I just turned to them and smiled and gave them a thumbs up. And guys, bless them. All of them, including the kid, smiled at me and gave me the thumbs up in response. Oh, that's so cool. I I love, too, knowing that it's called an exploding offer. Isn't that, yeah, I, so don't you means, want to sort of make one yourself? Well, it means yeah. it's now or never? 
Yep, that's it. Like a like a like a fuse that's being lit. Like yeah. Mission Impossible, you've got five that's seconds, exactly and this right. will self destroy. And uh-huh. uh, that's that's amazing. And so, did, was it the first publisher that you sent your manuscript to? Did they snap it up? Um, which is uh, William Morrow or Harper Collins? On the publishing side, we distributed the manuscript to about eight publishers, mm-hmm. eight or ten, and then uh, another ten heard about it and joined the fray. Ultimately, there was an eight-way auction. My agent had said to all interested parties, right, you have to offer X, and she named some obscene figure, and eight publishers were foolish enough to step up to bat. So ultimately, Morrow won won the bidding war. Yeah. This is so exciting. If you're just joining us, we're talking with A.J. Fan. The Woman in the Window is his debut novel at debuted at number one on the New York Times list is being he got an exploding offer for a million dollars. Now the book is so darn good and I um AJ don't usually finish the books. Um I'm just and anyone who listens to our show, we've been around for a long time for fifteen and a half years knows I'm a fi- you know, I'm a twenty five seventy five girl. I've finished twenty five percent. This was so compelling and the twists and turns Uh-oh. all the way to the end. Yeah, all the way to the end. And you do remind us of, because we had, no, Gone Girl, because we had Gillian Flynn on for her first two books, Sharp Objects and Dark, uh, was Sharp Objects and Dark Dark Places. places, Yeah. yeah. And it kind of, because she just wrote for Entertainment Weekly and she just like, boom, and she wrote these three you know, really terrific books that you just couldn't put down. She was, she's another person who blurbed your book. Yes, she's been a formative influence on me. I, I was a doctoral student at Oxford and got to study a lot of wonderful but now dead writers in yeah. this genre, in the detective genre. Amongst contemporaries, though, the ones I like best are Gillian Flynn, Tana French, and Kate Atkinson, all of whom write thrillers with more on their minds and in their hearts than your average novels of suspense. Mm-hmm. I yes. think Gillian is an amazing pro stylist. You think about her books after you've finished them. That's what I wanted to write. Yeah, and you know, what? like one of the... Um one of the things that just really um, struck me is this sentence, I'm trapped in a police car fondling my yes. fat. This is a new <laughs> low. Yes. The visual of that sentence and the, I just like, I just, I just felt for Anna. I just, that was, oh, that good. sentence really just, just like struck Lori, that's me. so true. And then we, Lori and I were trying to figure out, is this a man author or is this a woman author? Yeah, we because, were trying to figure yeah. it out. Was that deliberate? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no. Um, it was well. It was deliberate it, only at the very beginning because I worked in publishing and I only left my job five weeks ago. I did not want to put my finger on the scale when it came time to submit the novel to publishers. Mm-hmm. Odds were excellent that editors in the U.S. and the U.K. where I used to work would know me, and I didn't want them to base their decision on that acquaintanceship. Got it. The book to stand or, or not on its own strengths or vices. And because there were about eight men working in English language publishing, I opted for a gender neutral pseudonym. But we were always going to keep the pseudonym, even though if you Google me, my ugly mug is all over the internet. Oh, you're quite handsome. Yeah, stop. we stop. We yeah, we, we saw you. We saw you on your on your Twitter. You. Now, do you, I, do you get any um, say in who will be cast in the movie, or you just get to go to the premiere and you know do interviews and sell more books when the movie does come out? 
It's mostly the latter, although I will say Fox, the studio that bought the rights, had been incredibly gracious. The head of Fox 2000 flew out to New York to host a dinner for me. Then she flew me to L.A. to meet her team. I met with the producer, Scott Rudin, the guy oh, who won an Oscar for yep. No Country for Old Men. Oh, and they wow. And Budapest Hotel, Lady Bird, great stuff. So they've been very inclusive, very gracious, as I say. But, uh, no, I don't think, I don't think uh, I'm going to have any, any casting power. Do they, okay. Have they done any casting that you know of? No, so no. the script, which is written by Tracy Letts, the playwright who won a Pulitzer for August Osage County, yeah. has just been submitted. And wow. the next step is to cast, well, set a director, and then they'll cast the actress last. The reason being that uh, after the manuscript was on submission, a lot of actresses in the 40-year-old age bracket expressed interest. There mm-hmm. being so few roles for 40-year-old women right. in Hollywood. Right. And the studio thought, right. Given, given all these actresses knocking on our door, we, we don't want to cast anyone right now because she'd probably line up six other projects between now and production. We're sure. going to wait until the script and director are set. So that's what they're doing. Yeah, I got to believe it because, yeah, there every actress that would be from 35 to 45 mm-hmm. wants to play yeah. Anna Fox. And just, Sounds it, yes. Oh, mm-hmm. it, and did you have to, I, I know we read in your bio that you lived in, in London for 10 years. I went to Oxford for six years and was in London for four. Oh, okay. So was that just a yummy experience? Do you feel like that has made your writing richer? Yes, I loved Oxford. It's such a privilege to be able to sit somewhere for for six years, in my case, and just read. I mean, to me, an avowed bibliophile, that, that sounds like and indeed was heaven. And the genre in which I was specializing, detective fiction, is is something that to this day holds boundless appeal for me. I worked as a publisher of crime fiction, principally, Mm -hmm. studied it at Oxford, and had grown up gorging myself on Agatha Christie and Sherlock Holmes. So to have written a suspense novel at at this age, I'm 38 now, seems like the culmination of a of a life of crime, I guess you could call it. Yeah, well, it's so exciting, and and what wonderful success. And, I mean, you must, you sound giddy, and we feel giddy for you. (laughs) We really do. That's lovely of you. I have just had about six cups of tea, so I think that's the caffeine setting me a buzz, but I appreciate it. Oh, no, and now will you take just some time to just enjoy what's going on, or have you already, do you already have an idea that's bursting to, to be put down um, and, you know, become your next book. Oh, man, it's, it's, it's a lot, alas. I've got a book that I'm almost finished with. It was due a couple of weeks ago, so I'm submitting it late. That's another psychological thriller. This one's set yeah. in San Francisco. And in the service of the woman in the window, I'll be touring the world until September, okay, which okay. on the one hand sounds awesome, but on the other, like, I want to get a French bulldog puppy. Yeah. I want to get a new apartment. So... I'd like to live my life a bit. It'll be a balancing act going forward. Yeah, that's for sure. Do you know if you're going to be coming to the Twin Cities? I would very much like to. Right now, we are still cobbling the schedule together for America. But uh, I've heard nothing but wonderful things about the Twin Cities. And one of my favorite series is set in St. Paul, John Sanford's book. Yes. Oh, yes. uh, Featuring Lucas Davenport. Mm -hmm. So I'd I'd love to... Around. Yeah. Oh. oh, AJ, it's been what? so wonderful talking to you. What's the last great book that you read? Because our last great book that we read is your book, The Woman in the Window. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, if I were you guys, I wouldn't ever read another book. I know. I, uh... <laughs> I know. But what is your the yes. last great book that you did read? Uh, the last great book, this is going to be somewhat obscure. The last great book I read is called Golden Hill by Francis with an I, Spufford. And it's a, it's a novel set in 18th century New York. It's funny, it's moving, it's fast-paced. I cannot recommend it enough. Golden Hill.
Okay, Golden Hill. All right, it. great. It has been so wonderful oh, talking to you, AJ. Congratulations. Oh, keep Thanks, writing. Both. What a wonderful book. Yeah. The book is The Woman in the Window by AJ Finn. He's going places, people. We'll be right back. We've got a couple copies by AJ. 651-641-1071 is uh, the phone number. And when we come back, Quincy Jones has ha- has the most epic interview with Vulture.com ever. And you wouldn't believe some of the things he's telling. Oh, that book was so good. He was fun to talk to. AJ Finn, the woman in the window. Imagine that. Like, he's literally a millionaire overnight. I know. Isn't that incredible? I've got an exploding offer. I told him, I said, I just finished one of my favorite offers. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. There's books uh, by James Lee Burke called Robichaux. He said, I just finished that. Oh. And I said, I also will love Louise Petty, great crime ri- uh, fiction writer. Oh, she wrote a blurb for my book. Okay. <laughs> oh, Daddy, stop it. But, but his book that he recommended, Lori and I just looked up Golden Hill. Um, it was a Spufford, yeah, yeah. 2017 literary winner, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. He was delightful. He was delightful. We that was so lot. fun. Thanks, Donnie. Mm. Yeah, really, really fun. All okay, right. let's, for, before we get to the Quincy Jones, um, uh, there, it's, it was kind of surprising. I Only the Today Show covered this story, and it's about Wynn Resorts and Steve oh. Wynn resigning. Unbelievable. Here we go. Overnight, Las Vegas icon Steve Wynn stepping down from the casino empire he built. His abrupt resignation coming on the heels of troubling sexual misconduct allegations. Wynn releasing a statement that says, in part, I have found myself the focus of an avalanche of negative publicity. As I have reflected upon the environment this has created, one in which a rush to judgment takes precedence over everything else, including the facts, I have reached the conclusion that I cannot continue to be effective in my current roles. The 76-year-old billionaire hotel titan transformed the Las Vegas Strip, building the Mirage, Treasure Island, Bellagio, as well as Wynn and Encore. Recently stepped down as finance chair of the Republican National Committee. More fallout from a blistering Wall Street Journal investigation alleging he harassed female employees for decades. There is a cumulative pattern of sexual misconduct from Steve Wynn that uh, comes into view from talking to a large number of employees over a long period of time. In one case, according to the journal, Wynn paid an unnamed manicurist at his flagship hotel a $7.5 million settlement after she filed a detailed report to the casino's Human Resources Department, claiming that during a manicure in his office, Wynn pressured her to take her clothes off and and have sex with him back in 2005. 
And she had said that she did not want to do that and that she was married and that he basically told her that she had to do that. Wynn Resort says they have never received any complaints. Wynn has denied all of the accusations, calling them preposterous, adding the instigation of these accusations is the continued work of my ex-wife, Elaine Wynn, with whom I am involved in a terrible and nasty lawsuit. Elaine has explicitly threatened to slander and destroy me. Meanwhile, the board of directors of Wynn Resort said in a statement they reluctantly accepted his resignation, <laughs> adding Steve Wynn is an industry giant. He is a philanthropist and a beloved leader and visionary. He played the pivotal role in transforming Las Vegas into the entertainment destination it is today. And, and, that, and that is, is true. That is that the is last part true. is true. But, but, but oh. an avalanche of negative publicity. You don't pay people seven point five million dollars because you did nothing. Absolutely. Yes. A friend, a mutual friend of ours, yes. who applied to be a buyer um, for merchandise, yeah. you know, at the Wynn Properties, mm-hmm. was told by several people, "You don't want to work for that Man. company." And then this Wall Ooh. Street Journal report, he expected the. Uh, cocktail waitresses to service the high-end rollers, the whales, right. in more ways than just serving yep. them cocktail uh, things. And he's just kind of been able to get away with it. Get away with it. And, um, and I, I loved when they said when they said he reluctantly, reluctantly, they reluctantly accepted it. Yeah, they're like, "Go away! You're yeah. killing our stock." Yeah. Well, interesting. I, I had some friends who were at the win. Um, they said it was busy there on Saturday and Sunday, and then they said Monday and Tuesday you could have, you know. Bl- well, that's because it was Super Bowl weekend. A lot of people go to Vegas for that weekend. No, I know, but, but still, I've been in Vegas on a Monday yeah. and Tuesday. It's still happening, popping, and they just said at at the win anyway, Maybe which is all the way down at the other end. It. Yeah, that it was just empty. I think I heard that he was going to. Have a project in Boston, but they were not. Now they're going to have to put a different name on it. Yeah, it's not going to be a win. And his uh, Red Dragon property is not going well. He's bought. He where's he, that one again? It's specifically targeted to the Asian. Is it in Macaw or Mac- what's No, that? I think it's in oh. Vegas. Oh, it is. I think it is, oh. and he's okay. He's in, being investigated by uh, gambling regulators in two different states. So, Oops. so he's in trouble. Things Nicole Eagert has. Uh, uh, filed a, a thing with the LAPD, so she's um, taking her accusations, saying that he sexually abused her when she was a minor, and he says he welcomes that. So that I'm glad she did that. Yeah, she feels r- really good and about a, and doing another, that. And um, another a co-star on the show also reported that there was stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, and then Quincy Jones. Well, has this given is so juicy, Lori. I feel epic. like. Epic interview. I feel like we should wait. I think you should. Yeah, I I, think it's we just too darn too, good. Yeah. He's eighty-four years old, and he he doesn't. He has zero bleeps to give. Absolutely, and he is being incredibly. He is giving us so much tea about Michael barely, Jackson, about uh, yeah, the Beatles, uh, the Beatles, the Beatles. <laughs> dating Ivanka Trump twelve I mean, years ago, the Clintons. We are going to get oh. through this, but we don't have enough time no, right we now. Don't. All right. Well, if you've got some money, uh, Prince's White Cloud guitar is set for auction. It's a music icon sale that Julian's Auction is doing May eighteenth, mm-hmm. and um, it was a guitar that was commissioned by Prince in two thousand and two and designed after the one he used in Purple Rain. And it How was much? gifted to a Paisley Park employee. Well, it has a pre-sale price tag of 
10,000 to 20,000, but we know it'll go for more than that. A two-piece ensemble he wore in a 1999 Paisley Park pay-per-view with Lenny Kravitz will be auctioned. That's valued at 50,000 and a purple glitter outfit he wore in 97 and 98, high heel booties. How much are the boots? Uh, Can we buy anything on this list? If you buy one shoe and I'll buy the other. Julia, nothing is less than $5,000. So. Well, we could do that one. Is it anything good? Anyway, you know that guitar is going to go for a lot oh, of money. Oh, huge. We'll be right back.